What is up, everybody? Welcome to Recruiting is No Joke, episode 12. You have your host, Joe Lougie, here from Hirewell, and I'm super excited this week. We've got uh, some amazing guests. I know the screen looks a little bit different because I was trying to figure out how to not cut everybody's heads off with the banner. Uh, but guys, let me know who is out there. If you're live out there, let me know what company you're with, what role you're in. And then as you have questions, um, you know, we've, we've got really, really experienced guests in both talent and the startup world. So if you have questions, it's a great time to uh, get those on there and we'll be able to address them. Jake, good to see you out there and uh, everyone else. So let us know who's out there, get involved and, uh, and we'll go. So Guys, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Mackenzie, we'll have you introduce yourself first. Let me know how you, uh, I, I'm more curious from your side, like how you got into talent and obviously how uh, how you ended up at the company you're at. And then Austin, will go to you right afterwards. Absolutely. Thanks, Joel. My name is Mackenzie Moore. I'm the head of talent at ARC. We are a Series A uh, fintech that is disrupting startup finance. I got into recruiting um, actually by being recruited for an event director role. I was a I was an event director in New York and San Francisco um, and had a, a recruiter reach out to me. It became pretty clear that we weren't that the role wasn't going to be the right fit. Yes. So we had a we had a really good rapport and you know he mentioned he said have, have you ever considered recruiting and I said no tell tell me more. Who has ever yeah. considered recruiting? <laughs> No one majors in recruiting, you know, it's not something that you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a recruiter. Um, and so really, yeah. you know, as I started to dig more into it, I realized that so much of many of the skill sets that I was harnessing in an event director role really played well into recruiting. Um, and so I cut my teeth in like early, like contingent recruiting, like dialing for dollars, like, you know, and, um, and then was really, really grateful to be recruited over to um, retained search for startups in the Valley um, and had no, no startup experience, no tech experience and really just learned, like I got a mini MBA essentially in like seed to series D go to market hiring from director to C level. Um, and so, and then ended up at arc, um, as I was talking to my clients were early stage founders. And so, you know, working with them to build their, their teams. And I realized if I was going to walk the walk of startup, I actually had to, or if I was going to talk the talk, I had to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel, I figured I had to go and actually be in a startup to really understand what it's like. Um, and my client at the time um, had mentioned that they were hiring their first recruiting manager um, and kind of dropped the hint. And, uh, and I, I took the call and, and then the rest is history. And then got a call um, back in February from my mentor, Annie Wenzel, who's a phenomenal retained recruiter in the Valley, who was working with ARC and just said, oh my God, Mac, you've, you've got to talk to these guys. They're amazing. They're really like, just, you know, like totally disrupting the space um, and uh, started to have some conversations, wasn't really actively looking, um, but uh, it's pretty hard to say no once you start talking to this team, so. That's how I, I ended up here um, just in July. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, man, this is a lot of questions I have for you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna contain it. Austin, I'd I'd love to hear from you. And and just to give some context here as well, guys, one of the things that I'm I'm we're gonna have kind of the conversation go in the direction of like how marketing and recruitment can kind of sync together. Because I know typically I have uh, people in TA. I don't have a lot of marketers. Uh, you know, on the show. So uh, with that being said, Austin, welcome. Why don't you uh, 
give a quick intro and uh, yeah, just tell tell everybody who you are. Thanks, Joel. Um, so I'm Austin. I'm the head of marketing at Arc. Um, before Arc, I was at Bolt. I was a second marketing hire along with Robert Kong. Uh, we started when the company had just over a hundred employees, uh, and there was just two of us in marketing. And we scaled the company from there to uh, just under a thousand employees. Uh, joined when the company was a couple hundred million in valuation, and left when the company had just over twelve billion in valuation. And so yeah. we built out the entire marketing funnel every step of the way brought in really talented people across every vertical and function and um one of my favorite projects to work on was some of this talent stuff i think you know a lot of the time we spend focus on driving leads into the funnel but driving leads into the funnel is very similar to driving candidates into the funnel right you initially attract them you continue to nurture them through and eventually they they sign and so some of those projects were a lot of fun and uh we're trying to take some of those learnings that we had at bolt over three years and compress them down into, into six months and I don't know, Mac, I think we're doing a pretty good job. I, I hear the talent pipeline is full of candidates. So I think we're doing good. You yeah. are definitely crushing it. Oh, sorry, Joel. I was just going to say, I was super impressed with like already how much Austin and Robert had accomplished in terms of employer brand, like employee brand um, or employer, excuse me. Um, and feel like they just like already, like I, 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 there was almost nothing that I had to come in and build when it came to the marketing side. They were just totally on point with what resonated. Um, and I think that it's, it's really been fun whenever I talk to candidates and I ask them like, you know, had you heard of ARC before I pinged you or how did you hear of us? You know, oftentimes they'll, they'll reference, um, our, our social, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, um, that's how Austin, that's, I mean, that's how you got on my radar. So one of your videos and uh, I think it was like the production value, but then there was also like just very authentic content as well. And then I was like looking at the engagement. I'm like, okay, there's some, uh, some good engagement. We've typically, I think that's obviously something that people struggle with on social media in general is like, how do we get people engaged in it? Um, so I'd, I'd love to, to kind of chat about, about that as well. But Mackenzie, I was going to ask you, like, obviously you were, I, you know, I looked at your background too, like you, you were pretty high up in agency as well. Um, like you mentioned, like wanting to actually kind of be, you know, involved in a startup, I guess, what, what are some of the, cause, cause I feel like a lot of recruiters as well on the agency side, like talk about going internal. So like, what were some of like the, I guess, surprises or things that you didn't necessarily anticipate, uh, from going from like, Hey, these are my clients to, uh, you know, these are my colleagues and this is a business we're, we're building. Like what, what, what are the differences there? Great question. Um, when I worked in retain search, I did feel really fortunate that I had really phenomenal rapport with my clients. And we, we actually, you know, demanded a lot of them in terms of, you know, weekly meetings and, and a lot of access to them. And it was a real partnership. Um, and, 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 you know, I think a lot of that comes from retain search when the client has skin in the game, uh, you know, upfront, then, you know, we have a lot of, um, of uh, things to deliver. Um, yeah. And when I went in house, what I re what I realized is a couple of things. One, I was able, even though I felt so close to the business and to my clients when I was working in the agency, I was so much closer to the the goals of the business and 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 what we were really driving for and how to think, you know, when I was working on a VP of demand gen for a series A, I don't have any context around like what else is happening in other functions. And, and so to really look at it from a holistic perspective, I think was one really, really important. And then two, when you're hiring, 
with your own equity in mind, like when you are an owner of the business, like it, you know, even as a retained recruiter, I always wanted to, to, to match my clients with the best candidates and, and my candidates with the best company. I think, you know, you never want to oversell someone. You always want it to be an honest and transparent fit. But when I came in house, it was even more crucial for me to to think in terms of equity that the team that we build is going to help our company be successful because ultimately that's why you join early stage is that, you know, that equity is going to be worth something one day and ARC's equity, I have full faith, um, is going to definitely be worth something. And so I really think about how do we build the the strongest team um, so that we can achieve those goals. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. Bright Hire is the leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. What would, I guess what would be the biggest challenge right now? I mean, like just again, going from like agency too internal. I mean, like it, what's been the biggest challenge? And the only reason I ask this is because again, like I get so many DMs from people um, across platforms that either want to get into startup world or they want to go internal. Or um, I also think there's the idea out there that, you know, once you go internal, like it's just a piece of cake, <laughs> which like, obviously it's not. So like talk about some of those challenges because I don't think it gets talked about enough. And, you know, I just, I'd be curious to get your take on that. Totally. I'll be honest. I, I it's hate been to super admit easy. this. No, no I no no no. I hate <laughs> to admit this. As an as a retained agency recruiter, I think I didn't have enough empathy for in-house talent. And I yeah. I think what it has helped me realize is that in-house TI is actually like, you know, incredibly strong. And like they're like to you know I, I think it's really helped me. Um, have just better like internal empathy and cross-functional empathy. Um, it is uh, what has been the hardest thing. Um, it's the hardest thing. And the best thing is that you just wear so many more hats. Like yeah. you're, you're a little bit HR, uh, you're, you know, you're a little bit, you know, chief of staff, you're a little bit biz ops. Like it's, you know, there's just a lot more. Um, and I, you know, um, avenues as opposed to just very clear swim lanes when you're an agency, which is very project based, you know, you have a, you have a, this many recs, you have this many clients, you, you close a rec, you move on. Um, if you have a client that maybe is difficult or a company you're not that excited about, close that rec and move on. You're and, fired. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and when you're in-house, like, you know, you really like, you're, you know, like I, I feel like I am, I am ARC's biggest cheerleader and I every talk to candidates every single day. And, and if I, you know, I have to show up like really, really, hmm. you know, positive and, and honest and, um, and, and well-informed. Like I get asked very tough questions around our business and our product and our, you know, all the back end things that candidates of course want to know. Um, and so it's just, it's just multi-layered, um, in, in that regard. And so, um, uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. It's like, honestly, for me, I think, you know, I think when it comes to recruiting, 
there's kind of three buckets. There's there's agency, there's in-house, and then there's VC, like in terms of the world that I, I think of, you know, where you can go in the talent world. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows, one day maybe I'll, I'll end up at a VC, but for, for right now, um, being in-house uh, is definitely where I'm, I'm seeing the most reward. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that. I think it's like, I mean, I only really saw this when I was doing rec to rec where suddenly you're talking to internal recruiters and you realize like, okay, hey, there's a percentage of what, what you do is, you know, like that recruiting, that hunting, that going out there and having those conversations. But then it's just a huge portion that's working on the business, developing those relationships, getting the stakeholder trust, working on employer brand, figuring out different strategies. And I think that that's a piece which like, I don't think agency recruiters always see. And so it's easy to look and go, oh, well, it's, it's easy. You just, you know, you're posting a job and applicants are flooding in. But it's just so much more. So uh, yeah, I love that. Love that perspective, Austin. I'm I'm curious, like from from your point of view. Obviously, you kind of alluded to it with like the employer branding, recruitment, kind of coming together, or like the, the similarities between employer brand and like marketing for sales and 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 talent. Um, talk to us a little. Just talk to me a little bit about like what that strategy looks like from just like a top of funnel perspective, and like how you're how you you know, how you kind of look at the different types of content and like what the similarities are and then how you approach it from like a, you know, the, the differences between them as well, because obviously there's, there's differences. So like how, how do you, how do you look at, how do you kind of delineate between the, the two of them, if that makes sense? Yeah. So I think the way I break it down is the same as I break down a sales funnel. I think with sales funnel, you always have top of top of the funnel content, which in this case, recruiting is like your glass door page or maybe your Google reviews or uh, other sources where candidates are finding information, angel list, crunch base, and a variety of other places. So I think the, the single biggest thing you can do to up-level your brand is, is take advantage of all of your current employees and leverage them to build out your reviews, right? Like we started with zero reviews and now I think we have 15 reviews on Glassdoor and we only have what, 35 people. So like that's half of our, half of our talent right there. And, and we, we help people get to them those places by enabling them with the content that they need. So whether it's onboarding buddies and making sure that people are connected and feel fully engaged throughout the process. And then once you have a really good person, leveraging them to find other really great people. And so from the marketing perspective, it's how can I enable them with content and with assets and with a variety of other things to get them involved? The other biggest thing that we try to do is once a week, we'll do like a LinkedIn clapping session. So essentially everybody's on, on Zoom for 15 minutes. We'll all have everything typed up. I'll have a post with suggested social copy, et cetera. The first one from ARC will come out. Everybody from ARC will go engage with it. Then everybody else will post their own things and then everybody will go engage with everybody else's things. And so like it just claps the LinkedIn algorithm and sends it out everywhere. And so then we get feedback from sales and from candidates who are like, you guys are everywhere. You're on my feed. You're in this, you're in that, you're in my inbox, you're in these display ads. And then, right, similar to how you take prospects and you put them into re-nurturing drips where you're retargeting them, it's the same thing with candidates, right? Our ads get hit everywhere. So no matter where they are, they constantly see ARC. And because we're doing really exciting things, they always want to get involved. I think the coolest thing we did over the past two weeks is we showed our, our balance of ARC treasury over the past, I don't know, six as much since launch. And candidates were like, whoa, that's crazy, right? And today we had the Federal Reserve bumped rates by 75 basis points. And we reacted on a dime and said, okay, now we're going to do something completely game-changing. We're going to give back 3.25% yield on any balance you have in our treasury. 
with no minimum balance, which is just something nobody's ever heard of. And so we're doing these game changing things that sell product, but also sell candidates on like, this is really cool. And I want to get involved because they're changing the game. And so I think it's similar on sales and candidate side. It's just how do you take the messaging and deliver it in a way that really resonates with your audience? Yeah, uh, I love that. I guess it's a, is there like with the actual content, is there a diff- like in your mind, is there a difference between like, hey, this is specifically for employer branding and then this is for sales or are they like just so similar that it's basically the same content? I mean, I think there's definitely differences, but I think the differences are a little bit uh, more on like the technicalities, right? Like the way you talk to an engineer is going to be very different than the way you talk to a marketer, which is going to be very different than the way you talk to uh, somebody in sales, which is the same, whether you're talking to a CEO or a CFO or a CMO on the sales side. And so, for example, like we made this really cool, like overview of arc presentation, which walks through like what it is that's exciting about arc, the vision, how we're heading there. And it just walks them through the whole brand and gets them excited about the vision. Whereas like, prospects, they don't probably care about where we're heading. They want to know what you can do for me today. And so it's a similar concept. It's just different formats and mediums. I don't know, Mac, I think video content is probably the best performing on at least the talent front. Would you agree? Yeah, our video content is super strong. I think also, as you alluded to, our team interaction with one another on LinkedIn. I mean, we are, we love each other. We are just constantly like, you know, um, celebrating each other and, and grateful for our new hires. And, um, you know, our series A, I think was just such a huge testament of the power of social as it came to um, candidate awareness. Um, one thing that I, I think, you know, just being at an early stage, we came out of stealth mode in January. So like we are still so young in so many ways, but, um, you know, I don't expect that we're going to post a post and immediately have 10 perfect candidates knocking at our door. But what ends up happening is that when I go and knock on their door and I say, Hey, oh, person that I am sourcing specifically for this role with the perfect background they are more willing to take my call because we are starting to be seen in, in our network. And that to me is just like, so it doesn't mean that they're coming to us right away, but they're more willing to chat because they're starting to hear about, about us in, in this space. And that to me is just totally the power of it. I love all of our social um, around team bonding. You know, we did a, a pizza um, night, you know, we did, you know, whenever we have parties or offsites or gatherings, um, we, you know, celebrating new team, team members. You know, I think, you know, I can't speak for you guys, but I would assume that, you know, LinkedIn is my, is my only social media. I scroll and <laughs> see what's going on. And honestly, there are, there are, brands, whether they deserve it or not, there are companies, whether they're deserving or not, that are ingrained in my mind as fun, cool, wonderful places to work. Gong. I mean, come on. Totally. Can we all just talk about how Gong's like, you know, LinkedIn presence is out of control, amazing. And all of their employees seem happy and engaged. And whether, you know, I, I know that that is true because I know some Gongsters, but, you know, I think when you can see, oh, look at that beautiful welcome box that they sent their new employee, or look at this recognition that they gave someone, it creates this brand in your head of this seems like a fun, smart, highly motivated team. And like, I want to learn more. And I think that that's just so much of that 100% of that is really driven by our marketing team. And so like massive kudos to them for sure. Why do you think and Mackenzie, this is, this is I guess, more for you because you've been in the 
I guess, recruiting um, space for a while. Like, why, why do you think that like more companies aren't doing this? And like, what is the, like, what's the drawback? Because to me, it make you know, to me, I think of employer brand recruitment marketing. You know, it's it's scaling. You're scaling conversations that you would have on the phone or through email and mail. You're just scaling it to more people. You're creating awareness. It's free. So I, I guess, like, why do you think like it just isn't adapt? Like, why isn't everybody doing what you guys are doing? And obviously, they're seeing. You know the competition. You know different companies are seeing what you're doing. Like, why? Where do you think that holdup is? And, and like, why do you think, particularly within recruitment, at least in my experience, like there, there's kind of like hesitancy there or like, wh where do you think that comes from? Yeah, great question. And I would be super curious Austin's take on this as well. Um, nah, we don't want to listen to marketing. No, <laughs> I, my hunch, and this is, this is my hunch, is that there's obviously just so much like revenue, um, MBOs, OKRs, KPIs that are placed on marketing that that seem to be like, you know, revenue producing, uh, rev marketing that drives revenue is going to yeah. be the metric that is going to be the holy grail of how we think about marketing. And so, so often marketing's bandwidth is pushed so far in, in that direction. And it's really easy to let the ball drop on, on how to think about candidate experience. And what I've, again, I mean, what I've just been so impressed, especially at our stage is like coming in and seeing what Austin and Robert have built out um, to, to, to really set us up to be a, a really attractive um, early stage startup to to candidates, and so I think it's um, it's holding space for the importance for both, um, because at the end of the day, the two are intrinsically linked. We can only increase our, our our growth and our revenue if we hire the best people, and in order to hire the best people, we we do have to really have a, a strong you know as strong a presence as as makes sense for us. Yeah, makes makes sense, Austin. What about your? I, I guess. Obviously, you, you had the, the prior experience to a bolt where um, you kind of probably, you know, took a lot of what you did there and, and kind of implementing it. But I am I am curious because I, I do think that, to Mackenzie's point, it usually is just to do with driving revenue and employer branding does get left behind, um, even though, you know, everyone knows the Simon Sinek quotes and all those types of things where it's like, you know, those quotes about people being the most important asset, but it's like, it's definitely not the way that the people view it traditionally with marketing. So I guess, I guess like, what's your take on that? And like, why, why do you think it, it's a challenge for, for companies to, you know, start putting themselves out in that way? Yeah, I think firstly, it's really hard. I think doing things well takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of focus. And I think when you're talking specifically about brand or brand building activities, it's a lot easier to do something, but it's, a lot harder to do something well and when it mm. comes to doing brand you can do a lot more harm by doing something than you can by doing nothing at all so i think on the one hand people are risk averse meaning that they don't want to put themselves out there um, and take a risk and to your point most of the time marketing is gauged based on the number of mqls you drive the number of opportunities you drive and and, and they have a tie to top line revenue and so what we did at Bolt and what we've done a really good job here at ARC of doing is saying like, what are all the goals that we want to accomplish as an organization? What are the objectives, key results? That's OKRs. That's our framework. And then how does each 
product line or how does each business unit roll up to it? And so one of those is like building a brand. And part of that brand is building a brand where candidates feel like they connect to that brand. And so mm. then each product line is tied into it, including marketing. And so we're doing things that aren't necessarily driving revenue, but it's okay because all, what is it? All waves rise ships or something, right? Um, so <laughs> it's, sure. uh, it's just a lot of different things going on, but when you step, take a step back and you think about it, it's like to Mackenzie's point, the people that build the companies you have to have, and as the company scales, you need more people. So if you spend all your time getting deals, but nobody can work the deals, then you have a lot of deals, but nobody to close them. If you spend all your time hiring people, but no deals, well then you don't like, it just doesn't work. And so it's a balancing act and it just it requires spending time and thought and, and putting into a strategy of like, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're not going to do. And that's okay. Um, and layering everything up to that so that everybody's bought in. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job, uh, especially since we're only, as she said, you know, nine months old, 10 months old out of stealth. So that, I mean, and that's, that's why I think, you know, with, with the power of, of LinkedIn to just specific, specifically as, as a, as a social network, like obviously it's so tied into, who you know, uh, as you know, I think of like TikTok. That's another social network that I'm on right now, and it, it, it's like you can just go viral almost instantly. It's not really, it's just not based on anything other than the algorithm and the content. And you look at how how it's done, and I think LinkedIn because it's because you it is everybody that you're connected to. Like you said, it's it's a great way to to bring in the in those networks and. So then even, yeah, even if you're a young company, it's like you're almost able to build a brand that's bigger than, not it really is, but it, it almost like you can elevate elevate your brand. Now, what, what about like as you guys scale? I mean, how do you, you kind of like scale employer brand and, and like recruitment marketing as, as you get bigger? Like, does it get easier? Does it get harder? Like, are you, are you like planning on like having like ambassadors that are creating their own content? Like, I guess, how do you kind of scale it as, as you grow? And I, I guess Mackenzie, what, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, great question. And just to go back actually to what you were saying around network and, and, you know, the power of network effects and, and LinkedIn, yeah. um, I tip my hat to our founders and to our, our current team in terms of the amazing deep, network that they bring to our, you know, our founders are, are Stanford GSB grads. We went through Y Combinator. Our hires come from Brex, Bolt, Stripe, Firm, you know, Tesla, Facebook, LinkedIn. Like we have just such phenomenal backgrounds of experience. We, you know, we have like three buckets of um, backgrounds at ARC. We have people who come from pure finance. Don and Nick are, are amazing uh, co-founders. We have people who come from fintech, Austin being one of them, you know, but th that can range from all those amazing fintechs I, I named. And then we have people who come from either early stage startup or later stage established companies like Meta and Tesla and LinkedIn, but they don't have finance experience. And so when you put all those three things together, we hit so many amazing buckets of, of backgrounds. Um, and uh, and so that's just been like such a, a powerful network effect for us, for sure. Um, for sure. And obviously, like as they're sharing and as they're commenting. Oh yeah. People, because I mean, people see what you comment on LinkedIn. I think oh. people don't don't get that. Like they're always like, oh, do I got to create content? I'm like, no. If you comment or like strategically, your network will see it. Um, so yeah, no, that's uh, that's a great point. One hundred percent. 
And then, yeah, I mean, just the other day, to that point, I mean, um, there we were featured on Poets and Quants, which unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize this is like the number one MBA blog in the world. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, but long story short, they did... <laughs> They did a um, like top 20 or I can't remember the exact metric, but it was um, a, a top list of uh, MBA founded startups and ARC made it to number 13, which is just like phenomenal. And I had a candidate from Goldman Sachs reach out to me and say, I, I saw one of my friends like the Poets and Quants post. And I was just like, you know, that's how, you know, the minutia of wh where it can go. Um, phenomenal candidate. They're interviewing at ARC now. Um, so, so super, super cool. Um, back to how it scales, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think just more broadly, like when, you know, so often when you think about, you know, similar to sales and marketing, recruiting can sometimes get really, um, narrowed in on metrics pipeline and, you know, number of, of applicants versus hires and, and all of those things. And I think, you know, that can actually be like a little bit of a slippery slope simply in a sense that recruiting is people and you, there's no guarantee. You know, if you put an engineer on a sprint, three weeks later, you're going to have a product. If you put a marketing team on a, on a, on a, on an ABM, you know, I know, campaign, how this one's going. you know, if you put a recruiting team on a sprint, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the candidate because people are people and it's yeah. so psychological. And so, you know, if you think in terms of constantly like having to have a big pipeline and having to benchmark candidates against each other, it's, you know, it's, it's very rare that it works out that way. I mean, once a candidate is open to a conversation, they're usually only in the market for three weeks. Like, you know, if they are in my mind, a top candidate. And so there is just this balance around um, you know, as we're early, we want to think about what is scalable, what will this look like when we're a 300, 500, 1000 person company. Um, but I think, you know, as it stands right now, like having that white glove candidate experience and really like, you know, just taking the time to make it as much about relationships as it is about the bigger metrics. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be important to us. And, and, you know, we have a saying here at ARC, which is like recruiting the long game. Um, and so really we, we, we take calls with phenomenal people. I wish every, I would honestly wish like more companies would adopt that. <laughs> that I know. Well, it's, it's, it's awesome. Cool. I mean, I feel really grateful that we have such, um, you know, such a, a team that's so just interested in, in connecting and networking with, with interesting people. Um, and so, um, you know, as we're very mindful around how we grow headcount over the next, you know, two, three, four years, like, um, you know, we, we might not have the right role for that person right then, but who knows what that will look like in the future. And so um, as much as I often encourage candidates to take the call, like, what, what could it hurt? Why don't you just chat with our, you know, our co-founder? Um, I also encourage our team to, to take those calls just to, um, you know, to get more people kind of in our, in our stratosphere. Um, so I don't know how exactly how to answer how we're going to scale it, but I, 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 uh, I have faith that we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, Austin, how about you? I mean, I, I guess from your point of view, like with just employer brand as a whole, like, does it, cause I love what, like the stage that you guys are at where it's like, seems very organic. It seems like, um, you know, obviously like people excited, right. To, to kind of share the culture and, uh, and and to be a part of things, and then obviously as like things scale, like you have you know the culture shifts or whatever, or that can the culture can shift. 
uh, at times. So like from your point of view, like does the strategy change when it comes to employer brand and like, how do you kind of, you know, how do you kind of get that involvement from people as you grow? And like, what have you seen work? Cause um, obviously like there could be a company out there, let's say that's got thousands of employees. It's like, you know, you don't want to be that marketer that's like, Hey, share the post, you know, you know, kind of thing. Like you want people to want to share it. So like, how do how do you kind of foster that? Yeah. So there's uh, a few different ways. I think the easiest thing that you can do if you're on LinkedIn is, and you're in your company admin, when you make a post, it'll say notify employees and it'll literally blast out on LinkedIn a notification that now it notifies all of your employees to go like the content. Like if you aren't doing that, like that's step one. Then I think it's how do you get them excited and re-engaged in the brand? I think people naturally want to be a part of it and they naturally want to see things grow. And as long as you attract really great people, they also want to be with really great people, right? At the end of the day, we're all building together and we want to attract more builders and, and continue building and scaling organizations. In terms of specifically employer branding, I think it it actually got a little bit easier over time, right? Because instead of spending 5% of my time on employer branding, now you have one person dedicated solely to employer branding. And so those individuals are doing all kinds of different things. I mean, when Clubhouse, I don't know if people still use Clubhouse, but when Clubhouse first came out, Twitter was, spaces now, right? I mean, that's yeah, 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 Twitter spaces. Well, when Clubhouse first came out, um, there were these like uh, Clubhouse recruiting rooms and i would go in the, these clubhouse recruiting rooms and i would just sit there for like two hours three hours a week and you would be amazed by the number of people that we would get into the funnel and then once people started seeing myself on clubhouse as somebody marketing they're like what's this guy even doing here then everybody else was getting involved and now everybody else wanted to be involved right so now sales people are hopping on clubhouse and doing the recruiting things then we got talent people doing the recruiting things and so it just took one person to say like let's do this one thing it might not work but let's try it and then everybody was like game to go try it. And so the like, perfect case in point, right? Like we're on a call today on LinkedIn live, but it doesn't have anything to do with marketing, but I'm here because it's a good conversation. And, and maybe it turns out and maybe it attracts one, one customer, one partner, maybe one employee. And that's at the end of the day, all that matters. And so it's just putting yourself out there saying yes, more than you say no. And, and just making sure that people feel empowered to speak on behalf of the brand in unique ways, even if they're not necessarily in recruiting or in talent or in directly related um business units and i think when you empower your people to do great things they naturally want to go out and get it and so that's why we're here today and, and excited to be here yeah no i mean i think i think like getting you know getting people excited and, and having that vision into it and then them seeing it work first of all is the first part because obviously like if people are seeing things produce results they're going to be more inclined inclined to go so it's it's almost seems like you've just got to get past that hurdle of starting, getting people involved. And then once they see the results, obviously people jump in. And we found that same thing at Hirewell as well, where we will do a content meeting, you know, once or twice a week where we talk about content. We're talking about like, what is it that our clients are seeing? Because again, we can then scale whatever that conversation is, whatever the advice that we're giving one-to-one, -one, we're scaling that then to, to more people. And, uh, but we, we talk about it, we're active with it. And it's not just a static function either. Um, and we've found like the more, the more people do it, then the more they get excited, the more they want to start a show as well. Um, Mackenzie, I kind of just kind of switching a little bit here. I'm, I'm curious, um, with like where we are in the market right now, obviously, um, you know, I mean, it's layoffs, recession, wherever, you know, are we in one? Are we not? There's lots of layoffs going on. We're seeing this news. 
how I guess like what what have you seen in terms of just like candidate conversations? Like what's the sentiment there? Are you finding that people are more hesitant to make a move? I mean, you alluded to the fact that it's still like, hey, you talk to someone, you've got to make a decision quickly. Um, where I think like the myth is like, hey, it's left. So now, you know, the the clients are controlling everything and and we're kind of going back to where it was, whatever, you know, three, four years ago. So what I guess what are you seeing and and uh like what advice would you have for people who are having these conversations with candidates and then like how are you overcoming some of the, the hesitations in making a move right now? Yeah, great question. First of all, I mean, massive empathy for just anyone who's been affected. Um, you know, I know FinTech especially has been um, really hard, hard hit. Um, I have full faith that we're all going to, everyone's going to all work out um, and it usually always does. Um, but I know that for some people, this can feel like a very trying time. Um, and that being said, I still believe that hiring for startup and for tech, um, there is, you know, it, it's still difficult and, um, there is not, uh, you know, strong candidates don't just grow on trees. And so, um, I think that, um, I think that this way, as you alluded to, this kind of swing in the last several years, which I I think was happening before COVID, but I think COVID really did, you know, accelerate it um, around like, um, you know, just uh, competition for top talent that you were seeing, um, you know, among phenomenal um, tech companies um, and kind of the links that 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 employers went to 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 either attract or retain top talent um was pretty unprecedented you know i think that i think we're gonna keep a lot of those really good core values of of the intention there but i do think you know as we're seeing with you know companies like google who are are saying to their employees like hey we might need to find a way to do more with less I'm all for it, to be honest. I, I do think that there is a, 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 you know, probably a course correction that needs to happen. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be a really interesting um, next 12 months around how all of this shakes out. Um, what I will say to your point, though, is that candidates who are um, still employed um, are more risk averse. You are correct. And so, um, you know, it, it's it does. Um, mean that maybe they they um, are going to just have kind of deeper questions around um, the health of our business and, and our plans and, and, and how we plan to navigate, you know, our runway and and um, and things like that, which are, are, are totally um, normal and, and smart questions that candidates should have. Um, I always say that, you know, we're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing us or, or the other way around, I guess. Um, and so, um, having those really transparent conversations um, is something that that we we do once we get kind of towards towards the end of the stage. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, when we move to offer with a candidate, we don't always we don't always win. And um, and I oh I never I always feel okay about it unless there was something that we massively messed up. We, we took too long to schedule them. We weren't communicative. Like we didn't show up well for the interview process. Like if we, if we messed up, then I hold my hands up and, and I, I really want to learn from it. But if we really feel like we ran our process well and, and with 
you know, I have pride in the work that we that we did. And the candidate decides that, you know, they just don't want to do fintech anymore or they, you know, the, the scope of the role, you know, they had a different opportunity that was a, a bigger scope or whatever it may be. I always feel OK about it because you never want to square peg round hole a situation. And um, and so I think just as we navigate this, this new market, like, you know, wanting to make sure that the fit feels really good on both sides is is going to set us up for long term success, because um, we only really want people who really want to be here. And um, as hard as it is to figure that out in a three week interview cycle, um, we do our best to make sure that that, you know, we overturn every stone so that they can really come in eyes wide open and and do great work. Well, it sounds like, too, you have that, like you said, like the kind of like the long-term vision for recruiting. So building those relationships and going, okay, hey, this person I'm interviewing, yeah, maybe they do turn down the offer, they go somewhere else, but we still have a relationship with them. They're still going to see your content. There's a good chance that, you know, whatever, a year, two years, three years down the line, they might come back in, into that funnel again. And I think if that's the approach, I mean, that is really the the best re- approach in, in my mind. Um, Austin, I want to ask you this. You, obviously, you're not... Um, you know, formally in, in recruiting, but I, I think uh, one of the questions that just comes up all the time, again, just I think on social media right now, there is like a fascination with the tech world. I mean, I don't think, I know that there is a fascination with the tech world. Like if you go on TikTok again, I alluded to that, but there's so many people that ask about how do I get into tech? How do I go from teaching into tech? How do I go into manufacturing into tech? How do I go into healthcare into tech? Um, I guess what like what are your what are, what are some of the things that you think that people can do, you know, right now as kind of the market is tightening it up, you know, with a lot of companies that are maybe putting hiring on hold and things like that. Like, what are some of the suggestions you have for people to start, you know, making that move into tech, um, you know, just from your point of view, obviously in in, in marketing. Yeah, it's it's actually a a very hit home question. My uh, fiance over here, Ayana, she was originally in. Um, she was working with kids, um, and in the social work field, right? So like completely not related to tech. Um, she, you know, had this large caseload, she was in social work, um, but she knew that maybe, you know, she loved the, the personal aspect, but it just, it didn't quite right feel right to her. And so she looked at, you know, what are some adjacent moves that I can make to eventually get into here? So she went from, um, that to then she went to um, another organization, but more so slided on um, some of the HR talent type things. Then she moved again. Um, and now here, what do you say, three years later, she's in biotech. And it just took making a couple of jumps to get there, but they were adjacent moves, right? So it's going from like um, direct service to then something more so on the operations, business management, HR side then to another role and now she's finally in in talent ops and so it took a couple of jumps for her to get there and so i think for people trying to break into tech it's really hard because you don't necessarily fit the mold that people are looking for right like some people they only care about if you went to stanford some people only care about if you have fintech or previous tech experience some people only care about if you you met exactly what they're looking for but what you're looking for is somebody to take an opportunity or a chance on you and say like hey i realize you don't have the perfect background but you might be a good fit because X, Y, Z. And so then you you take that position and you think, okay, so I'm here now. Now, where is it that I want to head in the next six months? 
you start working on projects for talent and recruiting and people ops or whatever it is that you want to get into. And you start taking on those projects, even though they aren't directly related to exactly what it is that you want to get into. And so now you start to build up your core competencies. Um, she was doing sourcing. She was doing recruiting. She was doing full cycle. Like she was doing the whole gamut, but it took a couple of jumps to get there. And so I don't think it's as easy as starting here and getting to here, but I think it is as long as you have a path of like, you know, here's where I ideally want to head. Here are a couple of adjacent moves that I can make to get there. Find somebody that wants to take a chance on you. Um, and that's really the easiest way to break in. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin as a kid that I never Let's thought go. I'd go to Francisco and think like, oh, I'm going to be in tech, right? Like you always see these big, massive companies. Well, you know, I worked for a large organization. I got involved in startups. Then I moved out to San Francisco. Then I joined an agency. Then I joined a startup. And then that startup led to Bolt. And then that Bolt led to Arc. And so it just, like, it took time. And I think so much people think you have to have an action that directly drives it today. But you have to be okay with realizing that it's going to take time to get there. Yeah. Um, and it's never too late, right? Like, there's always time to go back and do other things and move and shift. But you just have to be flexible and willing to learn those different things. I don't know, Mac. That's my advice. I'm no, not telling you. I, I, like, I, I think it's sometimes helpful to get advice, like, outside of recruiting sometimes with this one. Because, it, you know, because I, I mean, I say this stuff all the time where, you know, first of all, you got to be incredibly patient. You've got to be persistent. Um, and you've got to be driven and you've got to build relationships and you've got to be strategic and you, you know, it's all of these things. But when we say it, people don't care, people don't listen. So it's great to kind of summarize here, you know, from people outside of recruiting, but, um, Mackenzie, I'm curious from your, your standpoint, just in terms of like, you know, I mean, you mentioned like, obviously there's you know, certain schools that, you know, founders might, you know, favor or look at favorably. Um, obviously like experience always is going to matter. I mean, that's the same in any industry, you know, you want people that have proven themselves in something. So you're not, you know, taking a risk every single time you make a hire, but I guess from your perspective, like, how do you, how do you continue to drive like diversity and like, maybe like hires, which, you know, don't fit the mold necessarily. And like, how do you work with hiring managers to say, Hey, look, here's a skill set, And this is how we can transfer the skill set, especially when, you know, there is a war for talent and sometimes it does make sense to you know maybe look in a non-traditional area like how, how do you manage that as, as a talent leader yeah for sure i mean i think getting hard the hard questions on the talent <laughs> <show>. <laughs> well one of the one of the things that i think of um if you're someone who wants to break into tech and and austin i was in the same boat in the sense that you know you there's you get, there's a you'll find a way um but it doesn't always look exactly like maybe it does for others um tech companies that have heavy implementation and deployment lifts like when you think about like when uber and lyft were setting up new cities like they actually had to have boots on the ground people who were you know like there to really build those you know driver hubs and driver communities and things like that and so if you think about you know or like Toast, for example, which is the, you know, how you pay for dinner now with the, you know, point of sale. They have big, like, you know, U.S. deployments in new cities and they need boots on the ground people to get that done. And a lot of that is just scrappiness and hard work and like willing to, to do whatever it takes. And so it's less of a specialist skill and more of like a generalist, just like, do you have a good attitude? Are you smart? Can you learn quickly? And so if you look at companies, you know, my last company, was a series D um, hardware software company. And, you know, we were able to hire a lot of people who didn't have traditional 
what we might call kind of Silicon Valley startup backgrounds because they were doing things like, you know, looking over blueprint plans and, and you know, doing things that were, um, you know, uh, maybe just more of like a, on the implementation or deployment side, as opposed to like pure software, where maybe you need more of a, a specialized kind of, you know, um, product marketing, like you've either done product marketing or you haven't, and, you know, you either have it or you don't. Um, so that's kind of on the, on the talent side. Um, but in terms of how, you know, you know, I definitely encourage for our our kind of what you might call more entry level roles like for example right now we're hiring an sdr classic way to get your foot <laughs> in the door of you know of a startup and um and really for for me the number one skill set that you have to have as an sdr is grit and you know the ability to write well um and and so um really indexing for um you know, enthusiasm and and um, scrappiness and and work ethic and grit, as opposed to do you do you have you know ten plus years of experience doing X Y and Z? And so, um, you know, we had a we had a new grad hire, like we had, we had a candidate who is graduating this spring, and he emailed every single person at Arc two weeks ago, <laughs> and my he went viral on our Slack because everyone was like, "Hey Mac, I'm just forwarding you this email," and um and of course I took the call with him because I was just like, "You literally like, do you want to join our sales team or do you want to join our engineering <laughs> team? Because we'll take you in either one." And you know, again, he he's he's interviewing um simply because you know he just really like showed a massive interest in us and um there's a fine line. Now you don't want to like overly spam and you don't want to overly kind of harangue. Um, you know, uh, sometimes there's just, isn't the head count. So you, you don't want anybody knocking on your door. On your, <laughs> um, yeah. But I do think that like, you know, uh, you know, I think it is, um, you know, just where you can hire for attitude and, and grit. Um, it's, it's awesome to make those hires. And, you know, as you scale, you do have to hire more kind of been there, done that folks. Um, but there's always a way to kind of, you know, break in and, and eventually uh, be there, the, the been there, done that kind of person. No, I love that so much. Uh, just insight there for people too, because I think a lot of times, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's hard, like you said, I mean, I love both of you didn't say like, Hey, here's a five-step uh, framework that you need to follow with the blah, 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 you know, hit templated emails or changing a LinkedIn headline. Um, I love career pivoters. It's one, it is hard. I, I, I will say though, like it is not easy to go from like hard. being a teacher to the, like being in customer success. Like, you know, like, but, but people who are able to do it and have that, that diverse background are just such like multifaceted uh, employees. And so like, but it, I, it's I, tough though too, cause you got to balance like hiring is a risk game as much, you know, it's like, you don't want to be the hiring manager that took the chance on someone and it doesn't work. Like no one wants to be that. And then when they say, well, what did you see? And you're like, well, they didn't have experience, but I had a good feeling in the interview. You, you still got to provide that data. And especially the stage you're at, I mean, you have to make, you know, it's critical you're making the right hire as you scale, obviously it's same thing, but one bad hire for Amazon isn't going to bring the whole business down. You know, there's certain times where like one bad hire can have a really, you know, negative and detrimental effect as well. And I think that's a piece that as recruiters, you kind of look like the bad guy a lot of the time, but it's just not, 
you know, we're also delivering the message to people as well. So sorry to, to jump no, in I, there. I agree for sure. Later stage, bigger companies have better programs in place to help um, people with super high potential, like, you know, succeed and, and train be trained. When, when you're early, early, like we are, we are all in the weeds every minute of the day. And so having people who have a bias for action and who can have an ownership mentality and just be like, okay, I'm going to do this and I don't need you to over, you know, watch over my shoulder. Um, and you can have that without having tech experience, but um, I think it's people who come from some sort of um, place that's, you know, in a similar milieu definitely uh, gives them a leg up. Which is a little bit, I mean, it's a little bit counterculture right now because, you know, obviously there's a lot of trends right now, which, you know, we're, and I guess we're coming out of a pen, you know, coming out of a pandemic where, possibly people overworked and there's a lot of things going on. I think people have more of an idea of like, hey, I want my work, like kind of schedule to work for me. I want to have control over things. But when you're in a, a startup situation, um, some sometimes you're going to put in hours. And I think that's the part that, you know, it's tough. It's a tough balance to, to kind of like let people know that. And obviously you want to maintain work-life balance. So there's a lot, it's not as easy as people think, is, I guess is what I'm getting at. Brandon, Brandon actually asked here, he said, how do you take that approach to hiring managers and sell a candidate with a non-traditional background and address that risk factor? Like, and I'd be curious too, like just how you approach that conversation, you know, with a hiring manager that's just hell bent on like, hey, this is what I need, this is what I'm asking for. And obviously in the talent function, we're serving hiring managers, right? So like, yeah, Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I think it really comes down to then really understanding your candidate so that you can go to bat for them um, mm -hmm. and and really um, like asking the tough questions and really pulling out like, you know, you do discovery and sales when you meet with potential customers, you have to do discovery and recruiting. It's the same thing. And so really digging in, like if they don't have that, that perfect background that you're looking for, like, can you dig into what they have done and, and how it's analogous to what you're looking for them to do and, and go to the hiring manager and say, hey, so they don't have these three things, but they have these three things that are, are that are similar and we can see a pattern here of success. And, um, you know, uh, I think really, um, really, really understanding and knowing your candidate so that, that you can, you know, in some ways kind of put your neck on the line for them. Um, I think is, uh, you know, and, and start to, you know, I think because hiring managers, they have so much going on and hiring is just a piece of the, their day. Whereas yeah. for me, it's my whole day. I have to remind them sometimes like, Hey, I know that we were originally looking for a head of or director leveling, but like, would you be open to a manager or a, an associate leveling on this for the right person? Or, you know, and, and, and cause I think sometimes they get a little, you know, pigeonholed and like, no, this is what we're looking for. And sometimes you have to throw them a curveball um, and just say, what would this look like? What would this look like if we hired a more junior person, like, you know, in, in three to six months, would this person, you know, be fully, you know, independent and, and, and therefore, you know, and so just getting um, creative with them. And, and sometimes the answer is no, like, sometimes it's like, no, it's really not good for the business. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's okay. But, you know, asking those tough questions to just make sure. Um, so I'm constantly gut checking with hiring managers and just saying like, just talk to this person. They're a little junior. What do you think? Um, and, no, and great. certain, you know, certain candidates like make sense for us to, to explore, um, if they're a little bit more junior because, um, you know, uh, just 
in that moment, it, it's, you, you know, we're a little bit more open. No, that's great advice. And I think too, for like candidates, I mean, that's what I, what I say is like, you've got to be a great storyteller. I think this is the part it's on candidates. Like if you, you've got to understand what the job is, first of all, you can't just, just be saying, I want a remote job in tech is <laughs> it's not, that's not enough. Like you've got to be able to say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what the job requires. Have that knowledge. And you've got to be able to tell a story yourself first and foremost, you can't just always like, I love that you said that you will go to bat and, and kind of create that story, but also as a candidate, like you've got to know how to tell that story yourself and be able to communicate it well, uh, because they're going to ask you tough questions. And if you don't actually know how your skills translate, you can't necessarily just expect the recruiter to always do that for you as well. Yeah. Um, Agreed completely. And the one piece of advice I will say is when I was early in my career, I used to prep for interviews for like hours. I had flashcards. I would, I would, I tried to know every single thing about the company and be an expert on their product <laughs> and all of that stuff. And what I realized is that I could be wrong. Austin, correct me if you disagree, but I don't expect them to know anything about our product other than the fundamental kind of baseline of what we do. And then a, a real enthusiasm for what we do and a real excitement for what we do. But I'm not expecting them to be, you know, a, an expert at all in the company or every single person who works here and what their name is and what their title is. So don't get bogged down in um, doing so much research on the company, you know, definitely understand the product and the company and, 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 and know, you know, the baseline, but really to your point, like know how to tell your story so that you can really like, focus on what you have done and what you are bringing to the table, not in a cocky way, but in a really kind of um, a way that paints a very clear picture of, of the impact that you could have. Man, I love it. Well, look, I, as you can tell, I'm a conversationalist, so I could keep on going. And I do, I have like other questions I want to ask, but I also want to be really sensitive of you guys' time. And we, we're coming up to an hour and uh, usually I, the shows only last for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. So um, we got a zinger for us. We always like one other question. What's the no, zinger? I guess, I guess just, I guess just the, the question that I would ask would be like, because again, like there's this fantasy, I think there's just like, like a, an idea of like what tech is and people are like fascinated with it right now. But like from just your perspective, like, you know, you go into this three month process to look for something or six month process to find something and you're working so hard to get this job. But like, I guess like, what would be like your advice for like to actually like critically think through like, like what are some things that you would actually be thinking about? And I'm not saying like reasons not to work in tech, but like, you get what I'm saying? Like, what 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 do people need to actually be thinking about instead of just having an idea of like what this is and kind of creating a fantasy of it at times? It's kind of a weird question. You know, I got me. Do you? No. Good. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so, like, I like, what do people biggest, need to know? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like when you think about like what tech is, you're building something from scratch. And building something from scratch is very different than going from 100 million to 101 million. And I think there's two buckets and you have to ask yourself, which bucket do I most fit into and which one am I most willing to go to bat for? If you want to go for the place where you're going to have a larger salary, you're going to have um, more structured work hours, like you're going to have more work-life balance, like that's where you go for that, right? You have a family, you have kids, you have a bunch of responsibilities, you have a bunch of different things that take up so much of your time. I think people confuse the two because they associate tech as just being tech. And the reality is that building is really hard. Building takes almost all of your attention, all of your focus, all of your 
like everything about you. But what's brilliant about it is you're building every single ounce that you give translates into an output. Hmm. And I think people, when they think about tech, they think, oh, it's great. You get a big salary. It's so easy. You get all these perks, but like, it's really hard. And it's not only hard on you. It's also hard on the people around you, hmm. your families, your partners, your kids, your dogs, right? I mean, our founders are over in Lisbon right now. They were up until four o'clock Lisbon time working on the announcement for this morning, right? They didn't have time mm -hmm. to sleep. And as the organization matures, it becomes a different ball game, right? Because you have more people to pick up the pace. But in the beginning, it's just, it's blocking, it's tackling, it's, it's doing a lot of things that require stretching a bunch of different muscles. But at the end of the day, you can say that you made an impact. And like mm -hmm. for people, that hard work translating into an impact that you can feel it just, I've never experienced it anywhere else. Like being able to take something that did not exist. Nobody had thought about it. Nobody had done it. And now you've done it and just transformed the game. It's the same reason why we do everything, right? Like we want to make an impact in people's lives. And for us, like at the end of the day, as long as we can say we had a positive impact and have changed the world in some positive way, like that's what matters. And so you have to put in the work. You have to be willing to dig down deep and put in that time and put in that effort. But at the end of the day, you can change the world. And as long as you put in 99% of the effort, like you can get there. And so it's just, it's the wildest ride you're ever going to experience. There will be lows, there will be highs. But again, I've never experienced any kind of ride as much as I had in startups and I would never do it any other way. Just come over to contingent recruiting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I love that. I know it's it's great insight, and um, yeah, because I'd love to get, I'd love to just kind of hear your your thoughts on that too. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with Austin for sure, um, and I also will say like things can look really bright, and I I love what we do, and I'm going to do it forever and all that. But I will always say the grass can always you know so is always greener on the other side. There are days where I want to like go make biscuits at a bed and breakfast like so you know i think it's just really like um it, i think it's easy to romanticize tech um but i think it you know uh it's you you, you won't know until you try it and if you try mm -hmm. it and it, it's um, it works for you that's great um but it's it's not for everyone and and um and that's why there's just so many wonderful different ways to contribute to the world through different phenomenal roles, whether it be in tech or outside of it. Um, but if, you know, if you have an, an inkling to see what it's all about, you know, um, it's like my saying, if you have an inkling to live in New York, you should definitely do it. Like if you have a, an urge to live in uh, or to, to work in tech, um, you should definitely give it a shot and, um, Love you know, that. definitely connect with Austin and I, we, we you know, we, uh, we're, we're always happy to connect and, and chat and, and share any kind of tidbits that we have on 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 uh how how we did it no i love that well you mentioned you're hiring sdrs uh right now so guys if you're an sdr if you're looking for an sdr job connect with mckenzie and what i always tell people too is as you're connecting with people be patient they're not sitting around just on linkedin that's what i do not everyone does that uh, so be patient with those responses but honestly guys you brought so much value here i really appreciate all of the time and what i'm going to be doing is I'm actually taking the audio of this. It's going to be going and released so you guys can hear it back. We'll be uh, splicing up some of these as well because I think uh, particularly just for, for people who, are, who have these questions, it's just great, great info. So 
Anyway, guys, I uh, I don't want to take any more of your time. Thank you so much for uh, for connecting, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to uh, you know potentially do this in the future as well. But uh, last last thing, real quick, LinkedIn best place to connect with you. Like, where's where's the best place to connect with you guys? TikTok, Reddit. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't um, gotten into the TikTok creator scene yet. Uh, I'm so far just an observer, um, but uh, definitely on LinkedIn, feel free. Uh, and thank you to everyone who showed up today in the comments in the chat. I read them all uh, and appreciate uh, the engagement. Same, LinkedIn's the way to go. And my email's in there too. And if you figure out how to use my email, you'll get her email as well. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Jake, Paul, Arai, Yesel, Basil, Ty, Blazina, Emma, Irene, Brittany, appreciate all of you guys. And again, next week we'll be live same time on Wednesday, and then I'll be making an announcement too. We got a new sponsor, which I'm super excited about. So Mackenzie and Austin, appreciate you guys. You guys have a good rest of the day. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, See you Joel. guys. See ya.